The LinkedIn Podcast Network is sponsored by TIAA. TIAA makes you a retirement promise, a promise of a guaranteed retirement paycheck for life. Learn more at TIAA.org backslash promises pay off. LinkedIn presents. Welcome to the Brown Table Talk. I am DC Marshall, founder and CEO of Diverse and Engage and Wall Street alum, also top WBE CEOs, and I'm here with my co-host Mita. Hi, D. I'm Mita Malik. I am a business leader, a DEI champion, and most importantly, a working mother. And she's being humble. She's a LinkedIn top voice. She is a Harvard Business Review contributor and a contributor to all the other major uh, business pubs, which is why we love, love, love what we're doing here. But anyway, Mita and I started Brown Table Talk as a place to spill the tea on the hard truths women of color face in their workplaces from my perspective as a Black woman, Black woman over here, and for Mita, her view as a South Asian woman. So at our table, we unpack it all. We won't leave any juicy detail out. Then we provide you with tips that you need, not on how to survive, but how to thrive in organizations today. So Mita, what are we talking about today? So we're talking about another hot topic, which is how to say no to office work. And so this is something I have faced in my career, Dee and I have talked about, and I think, I believe this is something that disproportionately affects women of color. So we're going to share some stories, we're going to spill some tea, we're going to unpack it all, and then we're going to leave you with the tips. And these tips are not just for women of color, they're also for all the allies who have pulled up and are listening with us today. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know what? So Mita, what has been your experience with office work? I'm curious to hear. I have so many stories, right? But let me share this story, Dee. And Dee, this is a story you haven't heard. Dee, I'm so excited. There's so many stories you actually haven't heard. And you know what? Can I tell you something? Season one, yeah. it was like, oh no, all of our stories, we've talked about this before, but I feel like now season two, oh wait, there's new stories. Or you know what? We're saving them for the show. Yes, we are saving them. We are saving them. So one of my first assignments as a marketer, I start and probably a month in, I am told, on top of what you do as a new marketer, you're learning forecasting, you're learning how to read a P&L, manage budgets, work with advertising agencies, writing briefs, all of that. I am told that I have to run something called Woo Weekend. Okay. Woo Weekend is a three-day extravaganza where the individuals who have been given offers and we want to court them to come back full-time, we throw a weekend for them. And so this weekend is three days in New York City in a swanky hotel. It is meals. It is cooking with the chef. It is doing a sex in the city tour. And we gave away like iPhones. And I mean, it was ridiculous. Nice. Oh yeah. It sounds nice, D. But guess who was doing the work? It was me. This was on top of my day job. I was told that I had to run Woo Weekend. And I will tell you, as I was thinking about this, other than one white man who I remember having to do it, it was women of color who were asked to run the Woo Weekend. So what was so fascinating to me now in retrospect 
I spent so many hours putting together this fantastic 72-hour weekend where you could bring a spouse or a friend or a partner. I mean, it was over the top. But those were hours that I took away from forecasting, from learning how to manage a PL budget, where all of my other peers had those extra hours. And so, you know, when I have this conversation about office work, people will say back to me, oh, but that happens to everyone. I don't think this happens to everyone. I think it disproportionately happens to women of color. And then when we are asked, we don't say no, at least me, let me speak, I don't say no. And then I give it 150% for this woo weekend, which is not on my resume, and which really I got nothing out of, but the company got a lot out of it. Okay. Unpack it, unpack it. Yeah. Okay. Can I tell you, you're not even going to be ready for my first response. When you said it was taking away hours from your other work, the work that you mentioned is very interesting. Forecasting, managing a P&L, et cetera, et cetera. Guess what happens here? When it is that women, all women, and particularly women of color, want to aspire or ascend to a higher level in a corporation, they, we need experience. Guess what kind of experience we need? Forecasting and P&L running a budget. In fact, the criticism or the critique is she's not ready because she doesn't have this, this, and this forecasting P&L experience. And so I think that is really interesting that not only were you given office work and sort of coordinating, planning work, but it also distracted and took you away from core competencies, core skills, value add to the organization that would have given you the experience to ascend higher. Higher. And so that's the real blind spot here. It, it was, that's the work that you needed. In fact, there's always the critique of women not being ready because we are typically in non-rev generating roles, right? Marketing, human resources, diversity, right? All non-rev generating functions. But yeah, this is a real thing of, you know, women and women of color in particular will get additional assignments, but not the assignments that will up-level or not the assignments that would increase the value or create greater visibility in a good way, in a positive way. Like, why not give you running a PMO for an enterprise-wide bigger impact initiative? I know I'm going off on a tangent, but it's just no, like-, like but, what- but I think what you said was so important because in that first year- I lost four to five months of my career because Shut here I up. am planning this woo weekend. It took months. And finally, a tip, I went to the director at the time and said, I, I can't do this. I can't keep up with my day job because I, I joined this for my day job because I love storytelling. I didn't join to run this weekend. And they finally hired an events coordinator who was helping me. But it was so much work. This was years ago, so it's not something that's happening now, but it is happening in other places and spaces. And so let's define what office work is, because I think that people are, I'm not saying that you shouldn't take on more work to accelerate your career, but you said it so beautifully right now. I mean, office work traditionally pre-pandemic, it's like I'm putting together the baby shower, the going away party. Oh, by the way, as an intern, I had to do this as well. I had to put together someone's going away party who I didn't know. And that took hours as well. I mean, away from my project. You know what it is? It's planning, organizing. And you know, you know what just showed up in my spirit? Domestic work. 
It's everything yes. that leans closer mm-hmm. to domestic work. That is a sign, right? Gender specific role. I think that's sort of how we could frame this. If it's the going away gift, you know, the shower, the bridal shower, the baby shower, the planning of a team activity, rather than strategic planning, innovation, P&L, forecasting. You're absolutely right. That's it. And I think it still shows up because people will say, oh, office work. Yeah, that was in person. It still shows up in the virtual world. Okay. Who's sending the virtual cocktail kits out? Who's putting together the Zoom link? Right. Who's texting D to make sure she Venmoed the gift amount for Mita's baby shower? It's still happening. It's just happening behind the screen. Babysitting, domestic. Do you see all of these tasks are really close to American gender and probably not even just American, but gender specific domesticated kinds of tasks. Like you said, the Zoom, you know, I had to tell a woman, uh, a CEO who was on a committee and, you know, it was supposed to be a committee of a few planning and the black woman kept organizing the Zoom. And I said, stop. So stop. So we also have a responsibility to say no, right? To to be a team player, right? And we will rotate the roles if if that has to happen. The LinkedIn Podcast Network is sponsored by TIAA. In the last 100 years, we've seen financial markets swing, new currencies come and go, decades of savings lost in days, all showing that a retirement plan without a guarantee, quite simply, isn't enough. So more than a retirement plan, TIAA makes you a retirement promise, a promise of a guaranteed retirement paycheck for life, a promise that pays off. Learn more at TIAA.org backslash promises pay off. From the minds of visionaries to the desks of disruptors, I'm Laura Schmidt, host of the Redefining Work podcast. Join me each week as we explore the new world of work through the lens of those shaping it. CEOs, HR leaders, investors, and more. Be a part of the conversation that changes everything. Subscribe to Redefining Work today. A tip that I have is people ask me for my time, as you do, internally and externally. If you're asking me for my time, you send the Zoom invite. Don't ask me for my time and then make me send the invite. People do that all the time. I I have admins externally, externally, who will be like, here's the time D's available. You're at, your team never does this, D. Here's the time D's available. Okay, so D's available. Yeah, so can you send the invite? Yeah, but you t- just told me D was available. Can you just take the extra step to send the invite? So that's yeah. where also, like, it has to be, because office work in some ways is not going to go away. It still exists. So you either outsource it or you share it amongst each other, as you said, like rotate and take turns. Another story I had, which is interesting, was another former boss. You know, I have many former bosses and great stories, but I had a former boss who had an admin and yet he would always send the office work to me. So he would say, okay, Mita, we're going to have this external meeting. Can you send the invite? Okay, Mita, for holiday gifts, can you send these gifts to the vendors we're working with? And I'm like, huh? But you have an admin. And so I felt like that was another microaggression, another move, another power move is how I interpreted that. And we've talked about this. It's really hard for me because I don't know. I mean, I show up as me fully. I show up as a brown woman, as a mother, 
I don't know how people are reacting to me. I do know that he was a white man and his admin was a white woman. So I'm asking myself, why is it that you're constantly asking me to do all of these things when you we have resources, we have somebody who can send out the holiday gifts. We have somebody who can schedule the meetings. Why are you asking me to do it? Yeah. And so in the, in those situations or in that situation, I might I might say, although again, it's so awkward and uncomfortable, it's unfair. Right. And this is what we mean by like psychological safety or the need for psychological safety because there's an emotional tax, right? The emotional tax that I have to respond. But my response might be is this something that Sue could handle? Or is there any reason Sue wouldn't be able to take this on? Another way to handle things like this, and this might be, you know, I think something that I encountered when I worked in corporate America, of course, I'm far removed, but asking your manager to help you prioritize. So here are the five things I have on my plate, my critical few objectives. If you could just identify which might be priority. So if my job, my task, my role is this report or this I don't know, initiative, and then plan the holiday party, right? Um, Which of these is priority, you know, because I want to make sure that I'm delivering on how I'm going to be evaluated. Now, again, you know, you have to be really sensitive with those kinds of things because as a Black woman, we are judged for just having the audacity to have that kind of conversation. So I think for folks here, listen to, to, to see what can you take away from this? What one or two things or what feels what feels right? But I do think the strategy is to ask the question, is there any reason why this wouldn't be, or could this be something that somebody else could do? I have a, I have a lot on my plate, Right. Or I have I have some other priorities. Actually, say I have some other priorities. Don't say the the language is not. I have a lot on my plate. I have I have some other priorities. So, what do you think, my friend? I love that. And what I would say back to the former manager and the Sue, who's the admin example. I actually just went to Sue because the the first time I followed your advice, and I went to the former manager and I said, "Well, this is something Sue could do," and he didn't care. He kept sending it to me. So then Sue, who was quite lovely. I would say, hey, Sue, we've got these 10 partners that we love who are external. We want to send them gift baskets. And she's like, oh, yeah, I'll take care of it. Because Sue was like, yeah, this is my job. So that's like another way to circumvent. The other thing, back to holiday planning and offsites. Oh, gosh, I have been the um, recipient. The the word I use is voluntold. That's my word, voluntold, yeah, right? Yeah, you were volunteered, yeah. but you were really told. So I have been voluntold to lead too many offsites in my career. The leader appoints me and says, we got to do an off day, you know, you know, this full day offsite, you plan it. And I'm like, oh my gosh, for the team. So in one situation for one role, I was asked to plan the offsite two times in a row. That's like two quarters. That's a lot. So finally I was like, okay, I nominated someone else gently. I went to the leader and I said, Hey, I've done this twice. And this person's actually new. Could we pass the baton? Could I pass the baton? And then could we do that? And and the leader actually was like, oh, that's a great suggestion. And I think what happens is when we become the go-to, when Mita becomes so good at doing the offsite, she makes it turnkey. Because you know when we do something, we don't do it 100%, we do it 150%. That's right. Also, for the leader, it's just like, oh, Mita's just the offsite person. So I have to then... And this is where you say carefully, it's sensitive, but I have to say, actually, you know, I don't think you remember D. I've done the offsite twice now. 
And so I would like to pass this on to someone else. And then the other thing I always say, like, if you're going to say no to something, make sure you're saying yes to something else, right? So if you're going to say no to planning that offsite, then to something you talked about in one of our other episodes, make sure then you're raising your hand for a company-wide initiative where you're going to get really great exposure and convert that office work into energy and work that's going to help accelerate your career. Yeah. So I have something just came up, just a thought. When you hear, oh, Mita's the offsite person. <laughs> now, again, this is probably not going to feel good for, I think, a lot of people, but I think your response was spot on. But another response could be, you know, actually, I'm, I'm not the events person or the XYZ person. We're going to share the role. Um, but my real unique brilliance here, I mean, I don't do a lot of things well. I don't do a lot of things well, but I, I'm, I'm cool with duality. A lot of things I don't do well, but I am uniquely brilliant at X. I am uniquely brilliant at strategy. I am uniquely brilliant at innovation, creative, whatever. And so there's an opportunity, I think, to engage in conversation. Now, certainly, again, not everybody is going to have or can have or feels comfortable having that conversation, but it is helpful in helping people to understand what your genius is, what your subject matter expertise is. And that is creating and really honing in on your brand and what you do well and teaching people how and what to think about you. And I remember being in corporate America, sitting on a committee and being asked if I needed or wanted the role as secretary. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. No, because actually that is what I don't do well, actually. And so how this conversation went is actually that's not one of the things that is my really strong suit. What I do well, extremely well, it probably, I'd be better suited um, either for marketing lead or I'd be better suited for strategy. So if we need strategic planning, do you see how you're reframing? I, I see that. Listen, I always say I'm from the school of DC Marshall. And so one of the things you have taught me, I am from the school of DC Marshall, you have taught me about up-leveling. So earlier in my career, you know, as I'm thinking about how to accelerate, part of it is, as we've talked about, how do you find allies? How do you get your brand known in the company? How do you get points on the board? And so I would just sign up for everything. I would actually sign up for the annual Christmas party, annual holiday party, excuse me. And I would do it because I might meet with the CEO, right? I would do it because I would try to get visibility exposure. But as you up-level, I am now thinking about what are the things that are going to get me exposure in a different way? What are the things that are closed tight, more tightly aligned with the P&L and the company goals versus the big offsite, the big party, the big this and that? So I think also we as individuals have to be strategic of what we take on. Sometimes it's put upon us and sometimes we're raising our hand for the stuff. So you have to be honest because sometimes I am raising my hand saying, oh, well, I'll send out the virtual cocktail kits. That's okay. I'll do it. No, no. You're, you're signing yourself up sometimes That's as well, right. I think. That's right. But the last thing before we go to tips is allies. Okay, for allies listening, if you are watching the women of color on your team take the brunt of the office work, don't just sit there, say something. Say something and take it on yourself, rotate, right? Because some of the office work's not going to go away. So you each share the burden, but also then outsource. If there is money, like back to my Woo Weekend, get an events coordinator, right? And also you're wasting your talent. You've hired these people, as Dee said, we all bring genius. What a waste. 
What a waste. I am a storyteller. That's right. And now you're being overpaid. What you're just saying, I'm sorry, what you just said, Mita, right? They're overpaying. So now they're paying you to do this, but they're your role or or actually what you're what you're contributing to. You know what I just thought about, Mita? The reason often we get what we get is because it could be because you're the leader and the expectation was she's going to get it done and delegate. But another way could be, and I think you said it, is um, I need an additional resource. Free game, free game, everybody, free game, right? If I get, you know, three, four, five times, I've got, you know, you know I've had to take on this additional assignment that is not my function. Okay, I'm going to ask for additional resource because when you said they eventually hired an event manager, I, and look, I know I'm going back, but I'm like processing. No, they eventually yeah. hired that. That what happens is for women of color, we took on a role we didn't get paid for it. You're not asking white cisgender male to take on additional work without them negotiating. Like, how are you going to either increase my pay and my title? So I know I went back, but I just had to say that. So go no, ahead, my true. friend. And I want to add this piece because we talk a lot about this from the cultural context. As a South Asian woman, I have been raised to be a people pleaser. I have been raised to be overly hospitable. It's just my cultural background personally and things that I'm working through. It is hard for me to say no. It is hard for me to say no to authority. And so I have to show up differently in corporate. I have to unlearn some of those things to say, no, this is me protecting my boundaries and me protecting my career. So I just can't say yes to everything because people will then give me everything. And so I think that's something I am working on personally from a cultural lens and I continue to work on. All right, Mita. So why don't we go over to the tips? Let's do it, D. Okay, so we're going to leave you with three tips today. And the first one you've heard me say before, number one, just say no to office work. I know this is really difficult, as we just talked about from a cultural lens, but think about what you're working on and say no to the things that really are not going to be accelerating your career. D, take us home with two and three. And two is, if you say no, just like Mita said, say no. If you say no, also remind them of what else you are working on. And then number three, allies, allies, allies. Step in, step up, step in. Remember, allies are not passive and allyship is not neutral. Make sure the burden of office work is shared, plain and simple. That's it for us. Dee and I appreciate you all so much. Thank you for listening. Thank you for being with us here today at Brown Table Talk. If you like what you heard, please pass it along to your community. Please give us a review, a share, a like, and we will see you next time. Side effects of listening to Brown Table Talk may include allies unleashed, getting paid more, and a dose of badassery all the way around. More at www.roundtabletalkpodcast.com.